Good morning. Um, again, as, uh, as Jeff said, um, we're doing this short little series on how do we love our church. Uh, two weeks ago, Jeff talked about the, how do we love our church by embracing the church's mission and vision and values. And as he said, I'm going to go ahead and talk about how we love our church through serving. So um, we're going to um, talk, break it down into two parts this morning. I, I want to first talk about our motivation for serving. Why do we serve? So that's going to be the first thing. We'll spend a little bit of time on that uh, to make sure that we understand uh, the motivation uh, that, that the Lord has given us to, uh, to serve. And then secondarily, then we'll, we'll turn our attention to, you know, how do we, uh, how does that look like? You know, what, what are the attribute, attributes of, of service uh, within the body of Christ, uh, in the body of Christ, for the body of Christ, and also outside the body of Christ? So that's uh, how we'll do that. So in, in approaching the first question, uh, I always find it really useful to go back to the beginning. I, I, I love, uh, you know, going back to the very beginning in the Old Testament and, and, and drawing upon um, uh, where, we, where the story begins. And I'm going to start in Genesis uh, briefly. And uh, if you recall, in Genesis 1, we uh, encounter the, the revelation of the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth. And, um, and, and by revealing himself as creator, what, what we learn about God the creator is that he, in the end, is the owner of all things. You know, what he, what he creates is his. He has authority over all. And another word we'll use is that he's the ruler of all things. He is the king of over all things. This is an extension. His creative uh, order, the, the heavens and the earth, are an extension of his uh, kingdom, of his rulership. And so what we find um, in, in the book of Genesis as we go on is that the crown of his creation is humankind. In the, in the first chapter of Genesis, we read that God um, says, let us make man in our own image. Let us make humankind in our own, in our own image. Male and, male and female, he created them. And, and, so, he's, and so that's a very important phrase that, we, that, that, that God uses there. He makes us the image of the very God himself. I don't have time to expound on all the, the basis of, of you know, what that, the image of God means. It doesn't really give you a definition. You have to actually go and, 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 and draw upon it. Uh, it certainly calls us to a functional aspect of, sur- of, of, of subduing the earth and having dominion. But, but more impo- uh, uh, perhaps more fundamentally, I believe, what this speaks to is that God is calling us to be his representatives. His physical representatives in a physical world for the invisible God. And so, um, uh, you know, we think of, of uh, uh, image bearers of, of any, in, the, in the ancient times where somebody would go forth and be, uh, they have an image of the emperor. You would want to make known his presence. And so in a similar way, we are representatives. We are uh, those that are to go forth to reveal God in, in this earthly uh, domain. Uh, the one true, reveal the one true God and his attributes. What does that, con- how does that connect to service? Well, as I said, his attributes also want to be uh, revealed. So we want to make him known, but we want to reveal his attributes. For example, we want to reveal his creativity in all that we do. We want to reveal, reveal uh, his great wisdom through, our, through the intellect that he's given us. We want to reveal uh, his, his moral standards through the, through, the, through the moral standards that he's given us. And likewise, we want to reveal that our God is a service-oriented God, a servant-oriented God uh, through our service. 
Um, so so we're stu- that is our charge. That is what we are called to do. Unfortunately, as you all know, in chapter 3 of Genesis is the fall of man, and all things kind of fall apart at that point. The image of God that we've been given, uh, while I believe not lost, uh, is, is greatly disfigured, is greatly distorted, is perverted, um, is misshapen. And so we don't do things right. We don't reveal morality right. We don't reveal creativity right. We don't reveal service right. Fortunately, God, through his, his common grace, um, continues to operate in this world and continues to give us uh, common grace. We see people who serve in our, in our world who are non-believers, who have very um, philanthropic uh, uh, um, you know, uh, ways of, of giving away themselves to other people. We see that. But if we, if we really are, are introspective, we'll realize that even in our best of moments, our service is tainted. It's tainted. Either through you know, self-love uh, in, in some situations, by pride in some situations. It could be motivated by guilt. It could be motivated by, by shame or legalism. You know, we'll, I bet you can all relate to the situation. I know I do. You know, where I, I feel like I do something really good. And I love it when I get, you know, some, some accolades for doing that. And it's not to say that accolades are bad, but I know in my heart of hearts that there's a, a, a seed of pride there that exist. And so that's the way we walk this out in, in this world. Well, as we all know, the great gospel is that our Lord Jesus Christ comes to restore and make all things right. Christ comes as the true image bearer of God. The image bearer par excellence. In the, in the, in the word of, uh, of, of Paul in the, in the letter to the Colossians, he says that, that Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is the true image bearer that goes forth to reveal the the one true God in this world. In the book of Hebrews, it says that he is the exact imprint uh, of of his nature. Um, That's the, actually, that's the the ESV version. I I actually prefer uh, the NASB or or the NIV, which says he is the exact representative or the exact representation of God. So he's going forth to be this perfect representative, this perfect image bearer par excellence. And what he tells us as as being the image bearer is that he has come to serve. This image bearer, though our Lord Jesus Christ, comes to serve. In Matthew 20, uh, verse 28, he says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this is the first reason I offer you as to why we serve. What is the motivation behind Christian service? And that is that we are image bearers of God himself. And if we are image bearers, if we are going forth to reveal him in this world, we are to reveal his attributes, one of which he says that he is a servant. He has come to serve, and we are to serve like him. Okay? The second... uh, reason I will offer you as, as to why we serve is, is given to us here in the, in the Gospel of John. This is the reading that we gave, uh, had us read earlier, and I'll go ahead and read it again, from uh, John 13, verses 12 through 15. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You ought to also wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done. If we are here assembled in the name of Jesus Christ, if you call upon the name of Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, what our Lord is saying here to us is that we are to be like Him in service. You know, it's really profound. I mean, again, we don't have a time to really unpack this particular scripture, but it's profound that our Lord Jesus was confronting the most horrendous, uh, wicked, uh, vicious night and day that follows that any human being could ever experience. And his attitude, his act was outward facing. It was other focused. He was focused on on his disciples and what he would leave with them. You and I would both know that in our deepest moments of anguish and trial and tribulation in our lives, where would we be? I hope we'd be on our knees, but, but more than likely, I know who I am. I would be focused on my worries. I'd be weighed down by my worries and my burdens. I'd be anxious and fearful and concerned. I mean, especially if I was confronting execution. And this is our Lord. So he's calling us to service. So that's the second reason. I'll also tell you that he gives us something more, and that is in, in the, uh, the book of Acts. Luke re- re- shares with us something that actually is not even... Uh, uh, conveyed in the gospel, but it's conveyed here in what our Lord Jesus says. He said, uh, uh, Paul, this is Paul as he was uh, saying goodbye to the elders at Ephesus. He says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak serve us. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he, said, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. See, the Lord Jesus was now inaugurating. He was coming in and he was reminding us of an important kingdom principle. He was telling us, don't follow the false kingdom of this world. I have come to usher in the the kingdom of God. I am coming in to to reclaim what is rightly God's. And I am telling you the kingdom principle here that that is in place is that when you serve, when you are like me, when you are an image bearer like me, you are going to receive great blessing. You know, in this world, we, in the false uh, ideas of this world, we're also told, often told that if I go and grab it, if I take hold of it, I, if I control my destiny, if I, if I focus on my, on my way and, and, and secure my fortune, I will be blessed. And the Lord Jesus is saying, no, not at all. True blessing comes from giving your life away. So these are the reasons I offer to you why the motivation behind why we serve as in the body of Christ, in the, in the Christian service that we're called upon to do. So we'll turn our attention next to then, what does that look like? What are the attributes of service within the body of Christ? The first uh, insight we gain is, is from the, the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke cha- chapter 22, verses 26 to 27. And it says, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Now he's sitting here amongst these men and women the King of kings, God himself, God incarnate, the Messiah, the one who should be the most exalted, the one that 
will sit on his throne and does sit on the throne today. But he again is conveying this kingdom principle that says, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God uh, is such that if you want to um, be my follower, you must humble yourself. There's no hierarchy in the body of Christ. There's, there's simply servants of one another. And so he's saying, if you, if you want to be like me, if you want to follow me, then humble yourself and serve as I do. The second insight we gain is in the book of Galatians. Paul here is writing in chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Through love, he makes an important connection here to love. Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you remember, um, whenever uh, this, this particular commandment is, is spoken of in the, in the scriptures, it's, uh, it's typically related to the, the first and most important commandment is that love the Lord, love the Lord God your, uh, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the, the second one is like it. Not subordinate to it, but like it. And that is to, out of the outpouring of our love for God himself, flows the love for our, our neighbor. And so here Paul is saying there's a connection that if we are to serve, we are to serve it through love. And so what is love? What is godly love? Well, we find that in the letter to first, uh, in 1 John. So John writes, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the connection here is that if we are to serve, we are to do it through love. And if we are to do it through love, what does love look like? Well, here's the definition of love. Love initiates. Love doesn't seek something to return first. God loved us before we ever loved him. He initiated. He wasn't expecting anything. He was giving it all to us. And it was highly sacrificial. He was given something that cost him dearly, his very beloved son. And it was meeting the deepest needs of those he loved, of his beloved, our salvation and our life. So we are to serve in this manner. We are to serve through love. We are to serve in an initiating way. We are to serve not expecting anything back. We are to serve sacrificially. We are to serve to meet the deepest needs of our brothers and sisters in the faith. Service is rooted in love. Another wonderful um, illustration of of the attributes of service are given in our second reading that we had today. And it comes from the um, Gospel of Luke. And it's a familiar story of the Good Samaritan. And I'll go ahead and read it here. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, that is Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your strength with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to him where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, for whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go. And do likewise. You know, here we have the story of, of uh, this man that's been beaten. We're, we're not really told whether he's actually alive, probably near death. And we see the two religious people of the day, the Levite and the priest, passing by and not stopping and proceeding. We're not told why. They continue on their way. It could be for a number of reasons. These men could have actually been quite faithful. They could have been very devoted Jews that, that practiced all the law faithfully. Perhaps they were too busy to stop. You know, I can't help but remember the, an incident here not too long ago. Um, I, most of you know that I was former military, and so uh, we call being five minutes early being on time. And uh, so uh, we're always kind of in a, in a rush to get out of the house to be here on time. And uh, so there we are. We're going down the road uh, one day, and I'm kind of, I think I was a little, maybe a little bit heavy on the gas trying to get here. And... Um, coming up Old Lee Road, and there's this car, and it's broken down, and this guy all by himself. And I confess to you today, I was just ready to just go right around him. But thanks be to God, my dear wife says, David, don't you think we should stop? And I did, and I stopped, and fortunately he didn't need anything. I mean, I think he was calling for help. He, help was on the way. But, but the point is that we can all be too busy to notice people. We can be so focused on the things that we have to do day in and day out that we miss an opportunity. You know, perhaps it's our religiosity that maybe gets in the way. Maybe those people, I, I don't want to be with those people. This man could have been dead. And by Jewish law, if you go and touch a dead man, you're unclean for some period of time. Perhaps that was their motivation. We don't know. But we do know that the Samaritan was struck to the heart, that he noticed this hated person of the Jews from the north of this, of this tribe of people that were greatly despised by the, by the religious Jews of, of Jerusalem was the man who noticed this person. And, he, and the word says that he had great compassion in his heart for this person. And he stopped it was costly for him. 
Yeah, I mean, he had to use his own resources, his own water, his own wine to clean him. You know, he didn't, and then, you know, he, didn't, he perhaps he was dead. He, he overcome any, overcame any fear of potentially becoming unclean. He took him to the innkeeper. He must have been busy because he had to leave him there to go on to do other things, he said. So he was probably also an equally busy person as the priest and the Levite, but he noticed people. He stopped. He had compassion. And he met a deepest need of this person that he needed. He was going to pay a great price for that. So what, does, what, can we all, what can we say about, what can we cl- conclude from these scriptures as to what service looks like in the Christian life, in the body in Christ, and outside the body of Christ? I don't mean to exclude, exclude those outside the body of Christ. I think my brother John just read the scripture. Remember, especially those in the household of faith, but also don't forget those, those out, outside. So what can we conclude about Christian service? First and foremost, it's properly rooted in, and it's motivated by, it's spurred on by our love for God. If it doesn't come from the well of love for our God, if it doesn't come from the cascading of affection for our God, then it's not going to persevere. And it's going to have the wrong motivations. It's about people. It's ultimately all our service has to be about people. We can't miss that. We can't be too busy that we fail to notice a brother or sister in need. There's people in need here right now. Let's be attentive to that. A prayer, a lunch, a cup of coffee, a visitation, something. There's somebody in need. Let's don't miss the people in our midst that have a need. It's about availability and initiative in our part. It's not necessarily about gifting. I don't mean to diminish that we don't all have special parts in the body of Christ. The, body, the Lord says that we all come together with different parts of the body to contribute in different ways. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm just, what I am suggesting is that oftentimes, and I've heard it said, that's just not my gifting. Let me offer you something. Let the other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ help you to discern that with you. This is not a question about gifting. This is a question about where your heart, is your heart ready to do what the Lord calls upon us to do in the moment, like the Samaritan, like our Lord Jesus, I would, I would argue that neither of those situations required any particular gifting, but required them to be available to the calling of the moment, to be able to see the need of the moment. So it is about sacrifice, and it's about giving up something of our own to meet somebody else's deepest need. As I said, you know, our time is precious, right? We, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times in the evening, you know, if I go home in the evening, I am wiped out. I feel like I have nothing left to give. And so often, if, if I'm, I'm, you know, there's some other additional calling in the evening, I struggle with that. But we have to draw upon that well that will give us that ability to go beyond our struggle. And that is our affections and our love for our Lord and what he's done for us. 
It can be highly disruptive to our life. And it can be highly uncomfortable. You know, we all come from such disparate backgrounds here. Socially, sociologically, economically, uh, ages. We're young, we're older. We're all, di- we're all different in, in the world's eyes. But we are united in something more profound and deeper than, than, than all those things. And that is our love and our devotion to our Lord Jesus. It is His Spirit that unites us. So often, you know, there's another brother and sister, we can say, I, I don't really resonate with that person. I can't connect to that person. I tell you what, I know a way you can connect with them. Pray with them. Share a word from the scriptures with them. Celebrate our Lord with them. Have a meal with them. But I'm telling you, we can't do this on our own. And we need to always come back, as Jeff always reminds us, come back to the cross. Come back to remember what our Lord has done for us. Ask Him to stir up our affections of our heart for Him. Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desire of your heart. And when we're stirred up in affection, may that cascade of grace, that outflowing of grace, may it just pour out and wash over all those that are around us. May you be filled, may we all be filled with that, that our hearts are filled with joy and desire to want to give away our lives. So what do we do? Let me say, the thing about Clear River, I love, we talk about this all the time. What's wonderful about Clear River is that we have great servants at Clear River. I mean, so it's, this, this message is not very easy to give because, you know, you're kind of preaching to the choir, right? I mean, you have people that love the Lord and love to serve the body of Christ. But let me just say a few things. Maybe there are some amongst us that are not currently serving in some way in the body of Christ. I just ask you, and I challenge you this day to just think about the things, the motivation that I talked about today about our calling as an image bearer, about our following of our Lord and Messiah, if that's who we claim is our Lord and Messiah, about wanting to realize the joy and the blessing that actually comes from serving. Let's reflect upon those things and ask the Lord, what is it that's creating this stumbling block? Am I too busy? Is my schedule too crowded out? Am I too fearful? Do I feel like I'm not competent to do things. But on the other hand, if you're like so many in this church, if you are currently serving, then the thing that I offer to us today is to, again, recalibrate and rethink about the source of our motivation in serving. Let us go back to the foot of the cross. Let's go back to our Lord Jesus. Remember what He's done for us. Let's remember that it's about people. Some of the things that we do, it's not directly discernible that it's about people. But it is about people. When we're serving on the tech crew or we're doing the setup, you know, if we're doing the ushering, if we're uh, whatever, you know, all these different, different ways that we serve, 
Let us reflect upon that. Let us think about how this in the end is for the people of God. I am doing this for the people of God. People are going to stream into this place this morning. And they're going to need to, to, to be able to be drawn into worship. They're going to be able to need to hear from the Word of God. And I need to do my part to serve them. I need to do it sacrificially. Because in the end, I want them to know God more. I want them to love God more. So let me play a part in that. So let us remember that it was our Lord Jesus, the great image bearer, the image bearer par excellence that came into this world to reveal to us once uh, uh, and remind us that a kingdom principle of his is that we are to serve and to love one another. We are to serve through love. And it is through, in love that we know what love is. That is that we did not love God, but he loved us. And he gave his only son as our propitiation for our sins that we might have eternal life with him. Will you pray with me? Father God, we just we thank you. We thank you for your word. I just pray, Father, this day that, that you will do things that, um, that I certainly can't do. It is only your spirit that gives life. It is your word that is true. It is your word that is power. So Father God, I just ask that, that you just take my vessel and that you just promulgate your word that it'll speak life to us, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for, for showing us what true service is all about. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. And uh, we just exalt you this morning. We just uh, pray a blessing uh, in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.